Black True Crime is a podcast that researches and discusses murders committed by black offenders. It is a podcast that anyone and everyone is welcome to enjoy, but it may not be enjoyed by anyone and everyone. So listener discretion is advised. Now, without further ado, this is Black True Crime. Hello, everyone. Hey, you guys. What's going on? I'm Kayla. And I'm Kristen. And this is Black True Crime. Period. If this is your first time here at the show, welcome and hello. Hi. (laughs) Before we get started, we do want to shout out our Ukrainian listeners and just the citizens of Ukraine, because what the hell? They're in World War III. And our prayers are with you guys. Yeah. And if there's anything that you think that we can actually do to support, like mm-hmm. other than pray, yeah. well wishes, yeah. DM us and let us know. Please do. Please do. Okay. So today we are going to be talking about a lady killer. Well, a woman that kills. <laughs> about time. About yeah. Time. I feel like it's been a while and I'm going to be honest. I kind of hated every minute of writing this case. Well, we're going to get to it. So. Really? Yeah. It wasn't that fun, but I feel like it needed to be shared. So. Right on. Right on. Okay. Are you guys ready to start? I you always ask ready, you guys like, as if you can answer me. They're here. Yeah. They're ready. So you're ready. Okay. Let's get started. <laughs> Imagine living your life every day, minding your own business, and then one day finding out that the neighbor you never really noticed has secretly been watching you, coveting you, waiting for the perfect opportunity to rob you of the one you care about the most. Join us as we discuss the sick Brit known as Linda Cardi. What? I'm not going to like her. No, you're not going to like her. Mm -mm. Linda Anita Cardi was born on October 5th, 1958 in the UK. Mm. That's why I said she's a sick Brit. She's she's over there. Over there. Over the pond. Sick Brit. Yeah. She was born in St. Kitts, (laughs) to be exact. And I don't think St. Kitts is a part of the British colony anymore. It was in the 50s when she was born, but I didn't look into that. Kristen, what happened in black history in 1958? Okay, well, I really wish you had told me she was British. I know. Because then I would have looked up some British black history. I know, I know. Sis. Kristen. Oh, but okay. <laughs> Let's get into it, y'all. Think about the time of 1955 because... Okay. Something really big happened three years prior in the States at this time. Mm -hmm. And it happened to be the story of Rosa Parks. Oh. On December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks was jailed for not giving up her seat on a Montgomery public bus to a white man. I wouldn't have done it either. To be fair, I wouldn't have done it either. Well, at the time, this violated the racial segregation laws that Montgomery had and the Alabama state. Yeah, I wouldn't have done it either. So she got jailed, y'all. Rosa Parks went to jail, period. (laughs) And at the time, this was a big thing. And people thought, I know a lot of us have heard about this in school. We know the story of Rosa Parks, right? People thought she was just a tired old lady. Her feet were tired. She really didn't want to get up. 
But no, Rosa Parks was a G. She was actually an NAACP member of the Montgomery chapter at the time. Wow. And they had been planning on doing some type of bus boycott, boycott mm-hmm. or challenge the bus racist laws in Montgomery for a minute now. Mm-hmm. So she took it upon herself to kind of be the sacrifice, to be the first one to say no. Yeah. Good I'm for from, her. Right. And from then on, because she's like, she's a bad bee. She was like, I'll I'll go first. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and from then on, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, led the bus boycott. It lasted for longer than a year. And yes. this was major because 70% of the bus riders were black. Oh, yeah. So if you're coming for the buses, you're basically coming for Montgomery's money. Mm-hmm. Even though Montgomery wasn't the ones to say, oh, we give up. It mm-hmm. was actually the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court on November 13th, 1956, on November 13th, 1956, <laughs> the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Alabama's and Montgomery's bus segregation laws. Dope. And then within a day, I think it was a day later, Martin Luther King Jr. made a notice or a statement to everyone saying, hey, you can get back on the buses now. And then everybody resumed to their normal life. But that was a win for the NAACP. And one of the first wins that Martin Luther King Jr. would have. And think about the sacrifices they made to not ride the bus. It's a long way to get to where they had to get to work, you know? They so carpooling. They were walking miles. I believe it. I believe it. Riding bikes. It changed their lives. But they just they said, we're going to make a stand. They don't make them like our ancestors anymore. Shoot. I'll tell you that. They sure don't make us like they <laughs> they sure don't. Like we used to be. But yes, that is our Black History segment today. So, so dope. I love being Black. Thank you so much, sister, for that trip down history lane you're welcome so i wasn't able to find too much out about linda's upbringing uh which was super unfortunate because i'd love to know like how it was and st kitts and stuff but i couldn't find anything but i did find that she had at least one brother who would migrate to the states either before or after her and then in 1982 that's when she decided to head over to the states Mm -hmm. over here and she was 24 at the time so that's kind of where we're going to leave off when she got to the States, Linda struggled, y'all. And I feel like a lot of immigrants do because you come in here, you don't really know much. And if you don't have family, you're kind of asked out, you know, in the sense. She struggled to find footing and to kind of like get a job. By 1992, Linda was convicted of auto theft and impersonating an FBI agent. Uh, yeah, took a turn. A whole FBI agent. I don't know how that got there. She, <laughs> I don't know where she got that from. She agreed to a plea deal and she only had to serve 10 years probation. Okay. Right. Whoa. So at what, 34 years old, she's having run-ins with the law. It's not looking too good for her as of right now. Oh, and the only way that she could do the 10 years probation was if she agreed to be a drug informant. <laughs> yeah. So a snitch. Yes, Kristen. So they knew that she had connections. So did she have connection with drugs and things like that already? Yes, Kristen. Dang, Linda. Yeah. Her getting hemmed up on the auto theft was cute. Right. But <laughs> it did not tell the tale of her history. Of what she actually what she be getting doing. into. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Apparently, she was wrapped up in that type of lifestyle, you know? So she was like, I don't want to go to prison. So I'll just be a snitch. Linda, you should have did your time, girl. L- Linda, you should have stayed in St. Kitts. You should have. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Well, but it's just a mess for her, not for us. Who cares she should have came over here ready to act right. Right. That's what she should she should have done. But I don't think she knew what she was getting into. Well, we're kind of going to get into it. 
So while working with the police, she provided them with information that led to two arrests. But their working relationship was cut short when Linda was arrested on drug charges. (laughs) She doesn't care. She thought, I think she was like, oh, I'm a snitch, so I'm working with them. That means I can get away with more things, you know? Didn't work like that. She was a drug informant. Clearly, she was going to continue to do drugs. Right. (laughs) Or deal drugs. Yeah. Deal drugs in some way. Exactly. But according to Linda, this is not how she started working with the Houston Police Department because she went to Houston. They're in Texas. Mm -hmm. Forgot to tell you that. She claimed that she was recruited by one of her friends who worked in the police department and said that she helped the DEA see thousands of dollars worth of drugs, which led to the arrest of like a lot of drug dealers. That's what she claims. Trying to big up herself is what it sounds like. Definitely. And I was going to wait to tell you guys this until later in the episode, but her brother ended up becoming a DEA agent. Yeah. So she was probably working in tandem with her brother to bring down these people. He probably had something to do with her being able to get that deal, you know? Whoa. Right? Such a turn. Two siblings, each one on the wrong side of the road. Different sides. Each one in their own way is the wrong side. Yeah. Either way, by 2001, Linda would find herself on the wrong side of the law again and facing the worst charges you can think of. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona. Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. I was gonna definitely do my dun dun dun, but I was like, no, I'm maturing. <laughs> yeah, so it's gonna get bad. Right now, we're going right into a couple days before what happened. If you guys take a minute and look at Linda, like, she looks like a sweetheart. Like, she looks like someone who has worked all her life for me. To me, she looks like someone that's not playing. Which you are your mammy hoe. <laughs> she looks like she has a strong hand. <laughs> yeah. But it looks like she would be like a mama who has like eight kids. Right. Not a drug dealer or a drug informant. You know what I'm saying? I agree. So this is straight from the court documents and police reports. All of the following information. So in early May of 2001, Linda has a common law husband that she's been having a relationship with. And she also has a grown daughter. Who's the common law husband? Someone that you're basically claiming you're like married to, but it's not legal. There's oh. no paperwork attached to it. Okay. So she also has a grown daughter named Javelle. Okay. You guys should know that. Okay, so in early May of 2001, her and her husband had separated, right? And it didn't seem like Linda wanted the separation to happen, like, at all, because she did what we have heard a lot of women do in order to keep a man. She faked a pregnancy. Oh, hey, Linda. Yeah. Shiesty. Yeah, she's not, she's not a, a good person. She's not, <laughs> she's, not, she's not keeping it cute. On May 15, 2001, a woman named Florence Myers, who was a neighbor of Linda's at the time, saw Linda and recalled Linda telling her that she was pregnant. Okay, this is May 15th of 2001 Mm -hmm. and that her baby will be born the next day. Okay. Okay. Florence is kind of like, sis, you don't look pregnant. I was going to say, did she look like she was going to pop? At all. You don't look pregnant at all to be saying your baby's going to be born tomorrow. So it was like a red flag to Florence. Mm -hmm. According to Linda's 
husband, she also told him on May 15th that she would be giving birth to the baby boy the next day. How do you even know when you're going to give birth? Like, she could have said the due date's supposed to be tomorrow. Right. she's like, no, I'm having this baby tomorrow. Other than being induced, you know? And I'm walking around on the street. (laughs) Telling people. She actually told a lot of people that she was going to be giving birth to a baby. She told an employee at a public storage. You guys know what public storage is. Like a facility. (laughs) She told a person that worked there that she already had the baby. And the baby was at home with the daddy. Mm. And this was the same day on May 15th. Lies. Guys, the lies are are going to be adding up soon. So we know so far that Linda is trying to manipulate people around her to think that she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And at this point in my research, I was like, okay, so what is about to happen? Like, this is moving too slow. And you need to know what's happening. Hurry up. So here we go. The following is what happened according to a non-accomplice witness. 20-year-old Joanna Rodriguez, her husband, Raimundo Cabrera, and his cousin, Rigoberto Cardenas, all lived in an apartment together at Sandy Glen Apartments in Houston. Mm-hmm. Joanna had just given birth to her baby boy, Ray, on May 12th of 2001, and both mommy and son came home the next day. So that's May 13th. Aww. Three days after that, on May 16th, around 1 a.m., four men kicked in their apartment door, ransacked the apartment, and held the three adults and baby Ray captive. For what? We'll get to it. So they tied the victims up and like pistol whipped her husband. He was bleeding from the head. They, you know, violently attacked all of them, except for the baby, obviously, and demanded that they tell them where the money and the weed was. They ended up only taking $800 from the apartment, but they also took baby Ray and Joanna with them. Oh, my God. At that point, I would have been like, something's off. Something's fishy. This isn't just a robbery. You know, it's but in that moment, you're probably not thinking anything other than my what family, the, you know, yeah. my wife and child. What the fuck? Yeah. But before the men left, one answered his phone and said, quote, we are inside here. Do you want it? Question mark. And then he yelled, she was outside and they had to go. Oh, mm-hmm. that's where her husband Ramundo remembers. Raymundo remembers hearing on that day. And after they left, he was able to wiggle himself free. And then they called the police. Woo! this is insane already just jumped right into it by 1 15 a.m the police were on their way to the apartment complex so 1 a.m the robbers or intruders show up mm-hmm. 1 15 a.m the police are on the way period very small window mm-hmm. that window will be important in the future they started to investigate and during their canvas of the neighborhood is when they found florence they found Florence. Yeah, Florence was his neighbor. So Florence is probably outside looking around anyway, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And they talked with her, and that's when she told them about how they were neighbors. Literally, Florence lived in Unit 40, and Linda lived in Unit 38. So it's super close. Yeah. You know, she sees the bitch every day. Yeah. <laughs> and she claimed that on May 15th, the day before, she saw Linda sitting in a car in the parking lot. It wasn't Linda's car, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But she was sitting in the parking lot, and she invited Florence to get in the car with her. And when Florence did, she saw a baby car seat in the back. And that's the time that Linda told her she was going to be expecting her baby, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This is sketch. Very sketchy. So solely based on that conversation that they had with Florence, they felt like they needed to get in contact with Linda as soon as possible. Because remember, right now they're dealing with a kidnapping mm-hmm. and they're trying to find, the, you know, Lin- not Linda, Joanna and her baby. Right. So they called Linda and she told them that she would meet them at the apartment complex, but it would take like 30 minutes. She was 
driving her daughter's brown car at the time. And it would take her a little bit to get there. But she actually showed up in another car driven by a friend of her estranged husband. This bitch is really flip floppy, but yes. all of this is going to be important and we're going to come back to it. I know it's a lot. She's plotting. Yes. When she arrived, she agreed to ride with the police to the station for further questioning. She provided them with a statement where she claimed that she loaned her rental car and her daughter's car to some people that she believed were involved in the kidnapping. Mm. Something of she had no idea about. She didn't Why know this you- was happening. Why would you loan your rental car that's in your name to anybody? Well, it's the rental car was actually in her daughter's name. She asked her daughter to get the car, but it was basically going to be used to help Linda Mm -hmm. move some things out of the apartment. We'll get to that. I'm giving you guys more. But yeah, so technically it's in her daughter's name. After having that discussion with Linda and getting her statement, they put her ass under arrest. (laughs) You're telling me... You let some random people borrow your car and they went and abducted a woman and her child. Mm-hmm. You know, bitch, get in this holding cell. And Florence just told us that you had a... Uh, that you're supposed to be pregnant right now. Yeah. And with a freaking baby car seat in the back. Absolutely. With no baby. Absolutely. It's giving real weird. Mm-hmm. After her arrest, she gave them the address to where the black Chevy Cavalier and the Pontiac Sunfire were parked. So those are the two cars that were involved in the kidnapping. And the Pontiac Sunfire is the car that she was seen in when she saw Florence. And she was parked Mm. outside of the apartment complex on the 15th. Okay. She gave them the address and the address was 6042 Van Zandt Street. In the backseat of the Chevy Cavalier was Baby Ray. They found Baby Ray. He was alive. Oh, my God. Yes. Thank the Lord. He was alive. But when they searched the Pontiac, police found Joanna in the trunk. No. Yeah, Chris. Her arms and legs were bound with duct tape. Her mouth and nose were also taped. And she had a plastic bag placed over her head, which was also taped like around the bottom. And after the autopsy, her cause of death was ruled as homicidal suffocation. No. I mean, very, very intentional death. What was the point of killing Joanna, though? I literally wrote, why didn't they just take the baby and leave Joanna and her husband and her friend? Like, like, if that was the goal of this whole situation, why take Joanna? Why would you need to take Joanna? Just take the motherfucking baby. Right. Unless you thought, like, Joanna would not, like, die until Mm -hmm. she found out who had the baby. Right. But don't you think the husband would have done the same thing? (laughs) Exactly. I don't know what they were thinking. But if you're on Patreon, you will be seeing the pictures of Joanna, unfortunately, in the back of that trunk. No. Okay, this is graphic. It's really effing horrible. I don't even know how I was able to find these pictures. But you know me, like, if I if I have the info, I'm going to provide it. They look like they beat her up. I know. Like, it looks like they violently attacked her and then put her in the trunk just to kill her. That is so sad. Look how beautiful she was. Look at her. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Ooh. After just giving birth to a baby three, four days prior. And she had no idea this was coming. Probably no idea, Kristen. This is so sad. Just heartbreaking. So rest in peace, Joanna. Rest She in was peace. so young. So the crime scene techs were able to pull fingerprints from both vehicles and Linda's prints were found in both of them. Mm-hmm. They also found duct tape, nylon rope, Lysol spray, baby clothes and blankets, and a diaper bag with formula in it. 
and other baby stuff. So she was really planning on having this damn baby. Hotel plotting. Just so evil. In the diaper bag, there was a live round, meaning like a bullet. And from the size of it, it looked like it came from a 38 caliber weapon. Mm-hmm. And they found a 38 caliber weapon inside of the home of the 6042 Van Zandt home. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they didn't use it to shoot Joanna. It wasn't, it wasn't used to kill anybody, but I definitely think it was used in to persuade. Correct. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Wait, he pistol whipped. Yeah. Yeah. So he pistol whipped the, the, the husband. One. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right on. Right. So as the investigation starts to unfold, more information comes out about Linda Mm -hmm. and her marriage or common law relationship. According to her common law husband, his name's Jose Corona, the couple had been living together for about two and a half to three years. And in that time, Linda had become pregnant three different times. Okay. And the first two times she eventually told him that she just had a miscarriage, right? Mm -hmm. He said he was never allowed to go with her to any doctor's appointments and eventually just felt like she was lying about the whole thing. Hello. I think being pregnant is one of the shittiest things to lie about. If I'm going to sit here and say that I've never done it, no, I can't do that. (laughs) I've done it because I was an 18-year-old piece of shit. But (laughs) I think it's very manipulative and very wrong. Very much so. Right. Very much so. Although if you've done it, okay, well, it happens. You know, you know do better, but no don't do it again. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of May 2001 is when he decided that he wanted out of the marriage. And he claimed that that's when Linda told him again that she was pregnant again. So literally he's deciding he's leaving. Wait, don't go. I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. But he didn't believe her ass and moved out anyway. According to him, she kept bothering him after he left, calling his phone like incessantly. And on May 15th, she called him and said that she would be having a baby boy the very next day. That is just weird. Linda, do you have a couple screws loose? Yes. Or like, are you narcissistic? Which one is it? I don't. I think it may be both because to be so convinced, right, of something that's so untrue, I think there has to be some type of. You're not okay. Yeah. Mentally. Yeah. But then to have a whole squad of men who are willing to do your bidding. Right. Like, who are you? And they didn't, I'll tell you guys right now, they did not go into detail as much as they should have about the accomplices, about Linda's connection to them. (laughs) Right. It was very vague. Like, what is her street cred out here in these streets? It's looking like it's it it holds some weight. But then she was an (laughs) informant. So I'm confused. Kristen. You're not going to get any less confused, unfortunately. Okay. (laughs) Linda, who are you? A evil bitch. So when he arrived at the police station, he, so when he arrived at the police station to be questioned, he saw her and asked if the baby had been born already, to which she replied, not yet. Like you guys, (laughs) she's not okay. (laughs) This is not okay. (laughs) Do you think she is mentally ill or do you think she's just playing? the fiddle she's i think she's both but i think she's more so playing the fiddle i think so too and also like if she's being questioned no arrested Mm -hmm. right wouldn't they like pat her down and stuff like they probably did so it was she just fat no or did she have something under there that's what i'm saying it's very to anybody that knew linda when she would tell them oh i'm expecting a baby they fucking knew that she was lying because she She didn't didn't look look it and it's not to say that everybody looks pregnant but at this time linda's at least like what 30 almost in her she's in her 40s Mm -hmm. she's in her 40s talking about she's She's pregnant. pregnant 
no shade like that it's super super rare for that to happen you know but damn but it happens it happens but you're gonna know that she's pregnant yeah especially if she's not a twig right linda's not a twig she's right. not small right it will be noticeable yeah Mm, mm, mm. and he found out he actually found out during the interview that she was never pregnant which he kind of knew but they told him like you know you don't have a son sir sorry he also told police that in early may he saw linda in possession of a gun that looked similar to the 38 caliber Mm, mm, mm. after he moved out linda started moving her belongings to a storage unit at the public storage place because their lease was coming to a close Mm. that's why she claimed she got the car with her daughter Sherry Bancroft, who was the employee that we talked about earlier, said that because Linda had multiple storage units at their facility, she'd seen the girl multiple times. You know, she'd known her for several months. And on May 12th, Linda bought a third storage unit and this time told Sherry that she was expecting her baby boy to be born the same day and even said that she was already in labor. Like as they're, <laughs> she's so as they're having the conversation. Definitely some nuts are loose. <laughs> For sure. The elevator in her head does not hit every floor. <laughs> because, because you wouldn't say nothing like that and really be expecting somebody to, to listen to you. Right. If you're in your right mind. Right. She returned to the facility on May 15th around 630 and stayed for about an hour. Remember, we already talked about this. Mm-hmm. This is when she said that the baby was at the cribbo with his daddy already. Mm-hmm. And she just came to pick up a few baby outfits and blankets and stuff like that. And she said that she was driving the tan Pontiac this day, too. So tan Pontiac is the car that Joanna was found dead in. Yeah. So we have to keep a timeline on who had access to this car. Okay. Wow. Mm -hmm. Looking to Linda's phone records, they found out that on the night of the kidnapping and murder, Linda placed 11 phone calls between 12.50 a.m. and 2.50 a.m. Seven of those calls took place between 1.09 a.m. and 1.14 a.m. Which we know is when the the kidnapping, exactly when the kidnap, when the men were in the house, which just brings more um, accuracy to what the husband said when he said they got a phone call from someone mm-hmm. while they were still there. Mm-hmm. These phone numbers led police to a man named Gerald Anderson. He went by a baby Jeep. Ah. Mm-hmm. Who would be one of the men that were later charged with capital murder for this case. Mm. So dope. I'm glad. I'm really glad that they were able to get a hold of the men. Unfortunately, I can tell you guys now, they only find three of the men or at least charge three of the men. Uh-oh. The fourth is in the wind. Oh. Mm-hmm. So at this point, investigators feel like they have the right person in custody who is ultimately responsible for Joanna's death. They have evidence of her being in the two cars, okay, on the day of and the day prior to the kidnapping. She was even, sorry, she was seen essentially watching the victim's house the day before the kidnapping. Probably trying to figure out when she was coming back from the hospital, Kristen. Gross. So gross. She lived two doors down from the victim. Come on. Kayla, we Dumb. know who did it. It was Linda. <laughs> yeah. This isn't a whodunit. No. <laughs> and she had the baby clothes in her possession and in the car, the car seat, all that stuff. It's just a lot piling up. And along with the phone records and the DNA evidence, the prosecution was like, we're ready to go to trial. Mm-hmm. But despite all the evidence against her, Linda wasn't done fighting, guys. So she did one last ditch effort. 
A woman named Sarah Hernandez would later testify that while she was incarcerated with Linda, I'm assuming like while Linda was waiting to be tried for this case, Linda asked her if she would write a letter for her because she didn't want it to be in her handwriting. So Sarah was like, sure, I guess, whatever, and started writing what Linda told her to write. The letter was addressed from someone named Oscar, and it basically said that Linda was not responsible for the murder and that she was actually being framed by someone named Chris and another person named Zeb. (laughs) Yeah, Chris. The letter says that they borrowed her cars and just left the baby in there. The reason behind it, she said, well, apparently Linda's brother, like we said, is a DEA agent who busted Chris and Zeb before. And that's why they wanted to get rid of Linda. Linda, Because she was responsible for them getting in trouble, you know? Which she probably was in some way. Right, right. Probably truth in that aspect. But Mm -hmm. I don't think that they would have done all of this fucking work. And take the baby for what? For what? For what? I don't think that. I think they just would have came for her ass. Yeah, they could have just killed Linda. If they really wanted to. At trial, which started in early 2002, Javel, which is Linda's grown daughter, testified against her own damn mother <laughs> and said that her mother asked her to rent the Pontiac to help her move some of her things into the storage unit. And Javel said that her mother had suffered three miscarriages over the past three years and that the baby clothes in the storage unit were from anticipation of those pregnancies Mm. not saying that she planned to like was premeditatedly planning to steal this baby for so long you know you tried she she tried tried, right she tried (laughs) and plus javel was also in florida at the time of the murder and kidnapping so she was out of state so she literally had nothing to do with it but she was going to testify because hello my mom put these motherfucking cars in my name they were involved in a killing right no exactly linda's mom whose name is Enid, testified that when she talked to her daughter on May 13th, she told her nothing about being pregnant. Mm. So she's telling complete strangers she's pregnant, but not even her own mother. But she did, however, know that Linda suffered a miscarriage the previous year. Mm. She also testified that on the day of the murder, Linda took a cab to her home around 8 or 9 a.m., took the keys to Javel's black Chevy, and then drove off with it. So here's just another confirmation that Linda was in possession of both cars. This bitch is stupid. She should have never done this. Joanna's husband testified about how one of the intruders answered the phone, said she, and, you know, I'm glad he did that. And he was crying and it was really, really sad to see the pictures from. Now, I know we barely talked about the men that actually physically kidnapped Mm -hmm. Joanna and her son, but their names are Gerald Anderson, Chris Robinson, and Carlos Williams. But they aren't that important all we need to know about them is that they ended up flipping on linda and testifying that she was behind the whole thing and even said that she was the one that taped the bag closed around joanna's head while she was in the trunk so like you put your physical hands on the victim right you killed her right even if they kidnapped her you killed her you you killed her but that's not what the defense is about to argue linda her lawyers and her supporters her supporters (laughs) Right. Whatever. Everyone has somebody that thinks they can't do any wrong. Mm -hmm. They're all convinced that she's being tried for a murder she didn't commit. They said that although her prints were found in the cars, there is no evidence that she was actually present at the scene of the crime. Which is like you don't necessarily have to be present to be completely responsible for what went down. Duh. You know, women send hitters all the time to go. Or people in general. Mm-hmm. Send hitters to go do their bidding all the time. All the time. 
Also, I was thinking about if Linda was the one that put the tape around the bottom of the bag, wouldn't there be some type of DNA evidence from Linda on the tape, maybe? Unless she wore gloves. I mean, who knows? Who knows? But there was no other evidence, DNA evidence attaching her to the crime other than what was found in the cars. Mm -hmm. And she is still convinced that the three men were the ones responsible for her being in jail. She stated that, quote, it was too difficult just to kill me, so they hatched this plot. Girl, it's way more difficult to hatch this plot. Than to kill you! (laughs) Than to kill a singular person. Like your neighbor? Why would they even... I get it. I get it. I think she just has an elevated sense of herself. Yeah. Narcissist. To even think that someone would give a shit enough to yeah, frame her. Yeah. But the jury wasn't falling for it. And 44-year-old Linda Cardi was convicted of murder on February 19th, 2002, and was sentenced to death by lethal injection two days Ooh. later. Two yeah. days later? Two days later. They were like, nope, you're dying. You're done. Dang. Then I'm done. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So in Texas, when you receive the death penalty, your conviction is automatically appealed. So her appeal lawyers, who were actually British, (laughs) and decided to help her with her case for free at the request of the British government. The British government was supporting her. For what? I have no idea. You don't even know her story. I don't know. Did you even look at the evidence? You're just trying to be a nationalist. That's all you're trying to do. You know what? It reminds me of that case when that American girl went overseas. Her roommate ended up being murdered, right? And they charged her with it. And she was tried. I think her name's like Amanda. She was tried. She's ringing bells. Yeah. And then they, she was eventually like, I guess, exonerated. She came back to the state. She's living her life like a normal person now. All that type of stuff. Um, it reminds me of that kind of case because America came to bat for her. So maybe the Britons just are coming to bat for her. Yeah, some nationalist shit. Like, mm-hmm. we don't really care if she did do it or didn't <laughs> do it, but we're going to have her back because she's from Britain. Right. Period. Right. So they went, they started going to work and they started arguing that her original trial lawyers were incompetent and didn't present mitigating factors during her trial. Mm. Which I'm like, what mitigating factors? Like, what mitigating factors? I'd love to know. And I didn't even see that she was, she even received any type of psych evaluation. I was going to say the only mitigating factors I can think of is her mental health. I didn't see any documentation about that. Even in the appeals documents, they were more focused on the points that, um, the, her lawyers were bringing up. And they didn't even bring up her mental health issues. They didn't say that that was a problem. Which means the bitch was sane. So interesting. So interesting. If nobody poked at that part, yeah, which is didn't. like the easiest part to poke at right. is a mental health evaluation, yeah. then she was sane. Yep. Oh, my God. One of her lawyers, last name Goldberg, classic, <laughs> said this about her case. Quote, I believe with all my heart that she deserves to have a trial so a jury can hear a real case with a real defense on her behalf. We have 20 key witnesses who were never called and could have testified that Linda is not a murderer and not a danger to society. Mm. How the fuck can you testify that someone's not something? Are you that person? 
And where are you pulling these people from? How do you from? even know? How do you know? How do I know that my sister sitting next to me is not a murderer? How do I know that? Hmm? You I'm don't. Dead ass. You How do don't I know really that? know. Exactly. Testify that Linda's not a murderer. Yeah. I hate that. You don't really know. You don't really know. And then when you talk about 20 key witnesses, her own mother, daughter, <laughs> and Let's talk about it. Common law husband. <laughs> if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it. It's just not giving. These are the key witnesses that we only care about. The yeah. people that know her. That actually <laughs> that actually know her. Wow. Well, her first appeal was rejected on April 7th, 2004. Her second appeal was rejected on September 19th, 2009. And her last one, her appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court. And guys. Let me just tell you, the British government actually stepped up a little bit more and even filed an amicus curiae brief as a friend of the court. And that type of brief is basically a persuasive legal document filed by a person or entity in a case, usually while the case is on appeal, in which it is not a party but has an interest in the outcome. Okay. AKA Britain was interested in Linda being I don't know if the appeal means like overturning her case completely, yeah. but at least appealing maybe her death penalty mm. or her, you know, her death sentence. But they wrote to the court on her behalf. The court didn't give a shit because on May 3rd, 2010, 2010, the court refused to even review the case. <laughs> Got that letter from the Brit from the British and burned it. They're like, you're not going to strong arm us. No. This bitch is guilty. I don't care if the queen wrote this damn letter. <laughs> We're not letting her out. So, Linda, <laughs> barring clemency, which we already know, Texas is not really Texas ain't playing with on that. that. Y'all chose the wrong state, if anything. Texas is not for play play. <laughs> they will put your ass on a slap. Shoot. So, yeah, barring clemency, Linda will be put to death in Texas, and she will also be the first British black woman to be executed in more than a century. Wow. Pretty crazy, right? I cannot believe the Brits are going so hard for her. I know. Oh, Chris, we're going to get to I'm it. I'm shocked. They even put a picture of her up on the fourth plank in Trafalgar Square. So I guess it's like a pop-in area. I looked up some other pictures of it. It's common for people to like change what's on top of that fourth plank. I saw a picture of like some whipped cream and a cherry on it. It was cute. But they put a <laughs> they put a picture up there of Linda and hold up signs saying that she's innocent. I'm going to post some pictures. You guys will see. If you're on Patreon, you're seeing them right now. But it's just a definition of loud and real wrong. Like, I'm just really, do you have no sympathy for the victim at all to even sit here and be like, Linda is innocent? Did you even read anything about the case? I like, know, right? How literally the only connection between those three men or four men or whatever and the victim was, was Linda. Linda. Come on. Come on. According to one of the many interviews she's done, she seems to just love being in front of a fucking camera. This is what she said. Quote, the sad thing is you don't get an opportunity. Once you've executed someone to go back and dig them up from the grave and say, oops, I made a mistake. Let me just put you back together. You're done. You're dead. That's her referring to the death penalty. Right. How she feels about the death penalty. She also said, quote, I just think they should abolish the whole death penalty, period. Is it a deterrent? Question mark. No, it doesn't serve the purpose for which they created it. The victim's families will never have closure. Bitch, you're not the Leave one to be saying any of, of this. Leave my family out of your mouth. Right message, wrong messenger. 
I can't believe she's like saying this in interviews. I would have been furious yeah, if I'm fuming. like anything related to the victim. No, I'm not even related. I'm pissed. Kristen, listen to this. She said, anyone can see there's something wrong with the death penalty system. It's not working. It's not trustworthy. It is flawed. You stupid. No, I can't, okay. I can't, I can't, I can't. Okay, so now I'm, I'm getting more about Linda and I'm feeling like she thinks she's a mastermind. Like yep, master she's a manipulator. manipulative mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Oh, who- wait. Wait till you hear about what she said about Joanna, but go ahead. I was going to say, I think she's a manipulative person who probably does have some mental issues, but she is so smart mm-hmm. or like so strategic mm-hmm. that you could never know until like she says some dumb stuff or right. something in the moment where you're looking at her like, mm-hmm. I feel like she's quick to start crying when she's the one that's wrong. You know, like it's like you say, bitch, you stole my car. And she'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> why are you yelling at me like, like grown-ass woman victimizing so. herself yep in reference to joanna she said quote she's somebody's child too and she's somebody's daughter so for me it's not only a healing process for me but to show the families that the person you have been hating all these years and that you thought because of the state of texas told you this is who did it did not commit this crime end quote Kayla, yeah, I'm almost feeling like does she think I'm an idiot? Yeah, she does. She or does. is she telling the truth? No, you know, like she's playing you for she's a playing fool. everybody for a fool, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna buy into it. You mm-hmm. did it. Yeah, she did it. She did it. So that's 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 our case for this week. It was a pretty short case. Pretty short, but like, whoa, ew, Linda, disgusting. I wish we knew more about her psyche, bro. Me too. Me too. I think they there was definitely a lapse in that area, but I don't think that the state of Texas was looking to give her any way out of what she did. You no. know, she just killed a brand new mother, kidnapped her child, you know, like, and then yeah. and then tried to blame it on other people. Yes. Correct. And clearly she was premeditated. This is a premeditated crime. She was looking for the victim was watching the house to see when the victim was coming home from the hospital. And then she like has enough cunning to be like, although I didn't do it, I don't agree with the death penalty. <laughs> you should get rid of it. It's almost like saying I did it, mm-hmm. but I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I feel like she's trying to appeal to the public. All these interviews and stuff, these were conducted before the end of her last appeal to where she literally has no other chances. All of that was done prior to. So I think she's just trying to talk and like manipulate people into thinking that the death penalty is wrong. Therefore, she should have the death penalty. She's making it bigger than just Linda. Yeah. It's yeah. like something that people grand can like, scheme of things. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't like the death penalty. Therefore, I'm going to support her innocence. Yep. Ah, oh! even though even if she's not innocent, even if she's not innocent, you cunning devil. She's a fucking But Texas Jezebel. ain't playing with you because Texas said, <laughs> we don't give a damn. Yeah. You can't fool us because no. we really don't have a lot of sympathy for our criminals. No. no period. No, no, no. So, yeah. Wow. Let us know what you guys thought about the case. Yes, please. This is a shorter one. I don't know how I feel about that. Let's go off about <laughs> Linda. Let's yeah. go off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She looks like somebody's just regular grandma, but she's a devil. Like Female a whole devil. cunning. Mm-hmm. so thank you guys so much for listening to the episode if you enjoyed the episode or if you just enjoy the show in general please leave us a five-star rating and review on apple Podcasts and spotify because it really really helps us with our exposure yeah. and tell a friend yeah you know and also before we go be safe protect your peace and protect your space so we don't have to cover your case 
Bye. Period. Bye. You have a right to kill me. I have a right to do that. But you have no right to judge me.